0: Reading now from First Thessalonians. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face and restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness, that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My father in law dashed my dreams recently. It started out supportive enough. He asked me how things are going. I said, I feel so constantly behind that I need the world to just pause for a week so that I can do what I need to do before everyone else brings back to me what they need for me to do. And that's when he said it Dashed my dreams. Well, it ain't going to (laughs) happen. Who says things like that? Only a father-in-law. One of my dreams is to have a neat office. One like the Reverend Tom Piatla once had. I used to walk into Tom's office and marvel at how only things on his desk were the computer and the book or the paper that he was working from. It seemed a little pathological, but also admirable. Some days I wish I could have an office like that. The closest I've ever come is when I've been anticipating somebody to stop by my office, the bishop, a guest preacher, someone of that nature, and I've scurried to clean it up as quickly as I could. Maybe it's dishonest. But I I do my best to make my office look the way I would like for it to look all the time. When I know someone who's coming in will see it for the first time. I give extra effort to living the way I think that I should. There's a parable that we used to tell our campers at Asbury Hills about a monastery that was out in the country. At this monastery, the, the monks had grown tired of their work and tired of each other, just plain tired. People would go out to the monastery because it was in a beautiful setting. They loved to go out into the country, but when they get there, they didn't find much joy about the place, and few, if any, ever returned for a visit. One day the bishop stopped by and announced that Jesus would be coming by, and that they might want to spruce the place up a bit. We well, can imagine what happened next. The energy level rose, the attitudes improved. There was all kinds of excitement. After their first day of cleaning for Jesus, the monks went back to have their dinner together, and though they were exhausted, they were still full of joy. Conversation naturally turned around, turned toward what will happen when he arrives? Will, will we recognize what he looks like? We don't really know what Jesus looks like. The monks decided that they had better treat everyone who shows up on the campus as though they were the Lord. Over the course of the next few weeks, the story was the same each day. They worked hard, they smiled a lot, they greeted each person as though they were Jesus. The visitors would go back to where they were from and say how amazing this place now had become, how, how the transformation was out there that... They were greeted warmly, treated kindly, that they would be back the next weekend to see what was going on then. Months later, the bishop returned to this formerly listless, dour, unkempt monastery to find that it had become energized and joyful and beautiful. The monks were eager for an update. Can you tell us when Jesus will arrive? All the bishop knew to say was, He is coming, and you'd better treat today as though it's the day. Jesus is coming, and you'd better treat today as if it's the day. People respond differently to the news that Jesus is coming. For some, the news is frightening. It petrifies them. They are so afraid of being caught doing something wrong, but they don't do anything at all. It's as if they've been given money to, to care for. But they are so afraid that they'll lose any of it in an investment that they dig a hole and bury that money so that they can give back the exact amount they were given. They are afraid because they think they know the Master. They think he's a harsh ruler who will punish them severely if they mess things up. Jesus shows us a different master. He says in Luke, when the world is distressed, and the nations are confused, and the people are fainting from fear and foreboding of what the world is coming to, any of this sound familiar? Stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Stand up. Raise your heads. These are not the instructions for the fearful. There's no hiding in ditches in what Jesus commands. Be alert, he says. Look about. Anticipate Jesus' arrival with eagerness and thanksgiving. That's how Jeremiah anticipated things. He was heartbroken over the destruction of Judah. His homeland, the center of his faith, Jerusalem, had been overtaken and destroyed. He was forced into exile and others had been captured. Jeremiah believed that his people had brought this on themselves by disobeying God. That their plight was the result of God's judgment for their sin. But he also believed That God would not leave them cast out, overtaken, destroyed, and despairing. Jeremiah heard God say, the days are surely coming when I will cause a righteous branch to spring up from David. And Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. In other words, David's descendant will show up and redeem this world. He will bring salvation to it the wrong will be made right. In other words, God loves us enough to save us, to come to us and deliver us, which makes me want to live in ways that honor His coming, rather than live in fear of what my life will be like if I don't. If you're an ends-justify-the-means kind of person, you might think, what's the difference? Whatever motivates. If you clean your office because you're afraid of what happened if you don't, or if you clean your office as a way of honoring your guest, isn't the result the same? Your office gets cleaned? Maybe. But I don't think the change will last. I don't think we can sustain loving God if we're doing so because we're responding to God out of fear. At some point, fear becomes the dominant experience. And love becomes less and less part of the equation. Joy becomes harder to discern. Those monks did their minimal work in our parable. They did whatever was required of them. Because they feared what would happen if they did not. But their lack of inspiration was contagious. No one expected Jesus to be found at that monastery. Until they started to expect that Jesus might just show up. And then that became contagious. And people sensed that he was already there. Paul loved the Thessalonians. He saw in them genuine devotion, the potential to be mentors to other disciples, they filled him with joy. He longed to be with them. He knew that over time people's faith tends to decrease, and so he wanted to do what he could to shore theirs up. Paul prayed that the Thessalonians would grow in love for each other, and love for everyone, and that God, that God would strengthen their hearts in holiness so that they would be blameless when Jesus returns. What Paul did not say to the Thessalonians is you'd better work real hard until you love rightly and until you're blameless. What he did say was, may God do these things in you. May God do these things for you. May God make you to love rightly and to be blameless. Which both takes the pressure off of us and I think makes us want to respond. If this God loves us so much, that He is willing to work on us, to grow love in us, to grow holiness from us, maybe we can love God in return, not in fear for what will happen if we don't, but out of gratitude. Maybe we can be excited about His coming and what it will mean, rather than dread it. Maybe, just maybe, the promise of His coming can be part of our salvation. That even the anticipation of Him being here among us will make us live as though He is here among us. Maybe people will start to sense that Jesus is here, even as we wait for Him to be fully